This is Leadership in Action, and I'm Casey Cheshire. Join me as we delve deep into the passions, expertise, and experiences of Boston area innovators. Sponsored by the Boston chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization, this is Leadership in Action. Here we go. We're doing this thing. All right, everyone. I can't wait to introduce our guest today. Um, man, so much to tell. How do I even introduce this person? I think more than anyone I've ever met, he is a serial entrepreneur, even from the days of a 13-year-old kicking around, starting companies. He's been creating groups and teams and companies across the decades uh, prior to his, his current um, team right now. He was in executive positions in the hotel and hospitality industry, currently the president and founder of Overbrook Support Services, Ted Palacios. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Casey. Nice to be here. Yeah, I, I can't wait to, to sort of like crack this egg and open it up and just learn all the wisdom that comes from founding so many companies. I'm sure there's, there's lessons to be told in there. So I'm going to stop talking and I want to pass it over to you. you know, and, and, and really that first question is, what is a common misconception around leadership or being an entrepreneur? So I think coming from the service business, I started young. Uh, my family were, were all uh, entrepreneurs. Um, you know, the thing that's, that's always really kind of fascinated me, sort of driven me kind of bananas, is, is the difference between what people consider customer service. And so how I define it is, is there's a, a marked difference between customer service and customer compliance. And cu- I'm sorry, customer what? Customer compliance. Compliance. Okay. So, and I would put a challenge out there to ask, you know, certainly anyone that's listening or just people in general that, that uh, you know, I've come across, how many experiences have they had, experiences have they had that have been truly memorable in a good way? And, you know, we, we over the years, what, what we've done is we sort of distill this down to a very simple way to determine the difference between customer service and customer compliance. And that is, if it makes you feel good, it's good service. If it makes you feel bad, it's bad service. And it's as simple as, it's as, simple as that. Um, the thing that, that, that what I've found over the years is that most people want to do the right thing. It really is an issue of, 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 of training and also the, you know, the cultural disposition of the, of the company or the organization yeah. that they work with. Um, so, you know, you, you, we'd asked the question in an earlier conversation, how do you, you know, how do you do this right? And those things that we followed over the years were, you know, it's really, it's really hiring for empathy. So what does that mean? Um, you need to really visualize and understand the client and what the client concerns are. So, you know, at, at Overbrook and our company, we, we, we're a service company and we provide uh, service for uh, uh, laboratories. So these are the, the type of laboratories that I think a lot of people have seen on television or CSI uh, or in laboratories that, you know, drug development, drug discovery, environmental laboratories, as well as forensics. And oftentimes we're, we're asked, you know, we're called by clients that are uh, basically their instrumentation is not working. They're in a situation they can't produce the samples that they're looking to produce and they're, they're in a pickle. So what we trained is to try to really visualize what the customer's situation is. What pressures are they under to, 
you know, that, that, that brought them to us to begin with. Um, and, you know, if you really are empathetic towards what the customer is experiencing, then you can't help but be customer centric. Uh, the other thing that we do is we, we hire for career people, not, not necessarily for job people. And the reason that I mention that is, is in the lifespan of a, of a business or a relationship, there are gonna be these ups and downs. So the folks that we, we, we bring in on our team uh, are those that are not only empathetic, but also those that are emp empathetic towards the, the relationship with the client as well as, as well as their situation, you know, internally with our organization. Yeah. Um, and we have this expression, find a way to yes. This is part of that empathy that we, we try to, um, you know, empathize. Uh, empathize. Um, and we also train for customer service. A lot of it is very nuanced. So that, that you know, it, everything from how to answer the phone. And in fact, I had a, a colleague once that uh, I, I, he was very, very, his, he was very intuitive in terms of how customers react to how you speak on the phone. What he said was, you know, the, mm -hmm. the telephone is, is, is your front door in many respects. And he used an example of, of uh, he said, Ted, somebody calls you and you answer the phone. Hey, Joe, how you doing? As opposed to, hey, Joe, how you doing? You're saying the same exact thing, but one imparts a, a sense of excitement or enthusiasm that that person is actually you know, calling you. Um, and, and over the years, what we've instilled, at least on our end, is we're never in meetings when a customer calls. We're always at meetings, in fact, but the point <laughs> is you don't want to let the customer that, that you're at a meeting. So there's a different way of, of responding to that if somebody calls and says, you know, I'm interested in speaking to Ted or Joe or Diane or, or, or whoever. Our response is always, you know what? Let me see if I can grab them for you. Hold on just a minute. And what you do is you automatically put yourself in the position of being an advocate for the client because no can, one wants- Can you say that again? That was really cool. How, how do you that? answer that? So- so if somebody calls, yeah, and we never tell people that's the golden rule. We're never at meetings, right? Right. We're always we're we're always we we try to respond with you know what? Let me see if I can grab him or grab her for you. Hold on just a minute, and then you get back on the phone and you say, you know, Mike, I'm so sorry. It looks like he's 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 unavailable. Is there anything I can do for you? So what it does is it puts you in the position to advocate for the client. The client feels like, you know what, this person's really gunning for me. Right? Yeah. That's not like passing the buck. You're like, well, that's handled by Mike and, and he's not here. Uh, right. You know? Or, you know what, Mike's at a meeting or yeah. Ted's at a meeting. And then what's the immediate response or the immediate reaction to that is, oh, so what am I, chopped liver? Exactly. Right. Right. So I'm I, a meeting I, right now. Have right. them come out here. <laughs> exactly. So that's the other thing that, that, you know, again, and these are very nuanced little training yeah. nuggets, I guess you call them. Um, the other thing that, that we do is we always try to follow up once the deliverable is made because it does a number of things. Number one, it, it gives an indication of how well you did. The other thing that it does is it shows the client that you care how well it turned out. Now, whether it was a service call, whether it was a project, and it, it, you'd be surprised at how much information you get post-project or post-engagement with the client. And it also 
it enables you to get that much closer to what the situation is. If in fact, the client, there was something that was an oversight or it wasn't up to the expectation of the, of the experience. So again, you know, it's a very simple, if it makes you feel good, then it was good service. If it makes you feel bad, then it wasn't good service. Now, you can take, and we've done this on occasion, sometimes you do drop them. It's inevitable. You, you know, over 20 years of doing of being in business, there are things that sometimes you, know, you think you could have done better. But the recovery, showing that you really do care about the client and you care about the, you know, the success of the client and what the client's challenges are, uh, makes a huge difference. And I found out over the years that sometimes the recovery is more important than the actual delivery because that really shows that you do care. So, um, yeah, you know, yeah it, it, it is it, all about showing that the outcome means something to you. And you got to do it sincerely, not, you know, this happens all the time. You go to a restaurant, you're in the middle of a conversation with somebody and the waiter or the wait person comes in and interrupts you mid sentences. So how's your meal? Yeah. So, you know, oftentimes, well, you just interrupted me for one. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you're fishing for a comp. I'm thinking you're fishing for a compliment. That's not the way to do it. It really has to be sincere. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. And you have to hire for that. Hire Correct. for the people that, that. Correct. Because you can, you can train the nuance, but you can't train that empathy. Like you need to hire people that do care. But I think Correct. there's probably something to making sure your selection criteria of, of clients too are the ones you can care about. And I think sometimes they can, if they illustrate that they're, they're making it hard for you to care about them, then you need to move on because they're violating your, right. your ethos. Well, and that's one of the, I think at one point when we, we talked earlier, you, you had, um, had asked, are there any books that you might be able to recommend? Yeah. And that in particular, there's, a, there's an excellent book um, called The Service Profit Chain. It's by, um, I have it actually on my desk, Heskett, Sasser, and Schlesinger. And to your point, they, um, they define clients and they have an arc, isn't it? They have a really, they have a good visual for it. Uh, from the low end, from terrorists to apostles. And the idea is you want to get above the zone of indifference. There are, so on the lower end, the terrorists will never be happy with what you do. No matter how you, how you do it, um, it's always going to be problematic. And the apostles are those that are always going to recommend you to somebody else. And so the idea is to try over time is to try to focus your attention and focus your efforts on those that are, and in the, in the middle is the, the zone of indifference where they can go either way. The idea is to focus on those on the higher end of that scale, which are those that are, uh, you know, the apostles. Uh, and that's what we try to do. But that book is a, it's a tremendous, it's a tremendous resource. And that I, sounds amazing. You say it's service uh, profit chain, is that correct? Yeah, in fact, I, it's called the profit the profit, I'm sorry, sorry, the service profit chain. It's by, let's see, if I'm showing it on my screens. I have to read it backwards. Oh, nice. It's by Heskett, yeah, James Heskett, Earl Sasser, and, and Leonard Schlesinger. That sounds so I, like one of those books you keep. Yeah, so I would highly recommend it. Put bookmarks in it and you keep it on your desk kind of thing. Yeah. Correct. Cool. I'm, yeah. I have not heard of that one, but it makes total sense. You, you don't want them in the, in the red zone, but you also want them 
out of indifference because indifference can leave you in a heartbeat Correct. for a better price. Um, you want the ones that are, what would you call, what's the best zone, the loyalty? So yeah. it's the, they're called the apostles, those that, those that truly believe in what you do. And they also, clients like that are those that appreciate and understand what goes into what you're doing. They, 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 have, a, a, they have a sense of, of uh, appreciation for making their lives easier. And that's, that's, that's one of our bylines, which is you know, giving people peace of mind. Because after all, being able, you know, the service business is, is doing it so you don't have to. Yeah. Once when I was, when I was younger, I, there was a bumper sticker I saw in a car once. I, can't, I don't even remember the name of the band. It was XYZ band playing music so you don't have to. And so we've adopted the principle, yeah. which is, you know, servicing, in our case, servicing your, you know, your assets so you don't have to. And that, that's the same with any, with any service business. And in fact, I would venture to say that every, every business is a service business. The particular type of business is just that, is that vehicle in which you practice customer service. And whether it's a human or a SaaS app doing it, it's Doesn't doing it matter. so you don't have to, to your point. Yeah. Yeah, which is a, again case which is a lot different yeah. from customer compliance. Yeah, I was just so, going to take us back to that. Tell me about the compliance then. How does that? Okay, so an example. Getting on the phone. Thank you for calling. Uh, your call is very important to us. Your wait time is eight minutes or ten minutes or whatever it is. So I give it, you know, the litmus test. Does it make you feel good or does it make you feel bad? Mm. Right. If you're that busy, you should you should have somebody else to be able. You should have enough personnel to be able to answer the phone. So the, in that message, to your point, the way it was spoken too, especially if someone you know, thank you for calling. This is the blah blah blah. Um, well, and in, job. Yeah, right. And so that's 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 also an empathetic training moment, which is you can be you can be really busy and and. Sometimes the economics don't necessarily render themselves to have, you know, a bank of operators or, or, or administrative people answering the phone. That being said, there's a way to answer the phone, which is empathetic towards the customer, which is you pick up the phone within three rings. It's like, can I help you? X, Y, Z company, Overbrook Support Services, can I help you? Yeah, I'm having a problem with a, with a particular instrument. Let me see what we can do for you. Can I ask you to hold for a second as opposed to which is customer compliance, the, the, the phone rings, you pick up the phone. I, I get this sometimes at where I get my hair cut. XYZ, salon, please hold. And they put you on hold. It's like, wait a minute. How do you know that I want to get my hair cut? I might be somebody that's in distress. I mean, you know, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's being empathetic towards the fact that the client is calling you in most cases and in many cases to give you a check. Right? right, or to pay you for right. your services, and I, I right. something that, get a, a register, get an appointment. I, I'll share. Yeah. I'll share a story with you. Yes, yeah, please do. So I used to work for a, a large, uh, it's a financial company. So this was in between businesses, and I was in the I was in the sales the sales end. And so we would have sales meetings once once a week, and so we go into we go into chambers, a big conference room. And and I'll, I'll never forget this. The, the uh, VP of sales told the uh, sales, mind you, told the administrator, hold all our calls. All the salespeople, hold all our calls. We're in a meeting. 
and I was just at the cusp of closing, closing a deal. I was waiting for this customer to call me to give me the approval. And I said, I'm waiting for a call. It's too bad. We're in a meeting. So, it, you know, it, it, another reason why I'm an entrepreneur and I don't necessarily work for, for a really large, large company says, so we're going to sit here in a meeting for an hour to figure out how we're going to get people to call us and write us a check. And I got someone that's, I'm waiting for somebody to call me and write me a check and we're not going to take his call. <laughs> right? Is that the yeah. customer complying to us or is it servicing the client? Again. Oh, so you're saying the customer is complying to our wishes versus that's, us serving them. So it's like who's serving who? Correct. Got it. Correct. And that's the that's the marked difference between customer compliance and customer service. So is the customer complying to the way the business wants to run its business? Or are they running their business based on what the concerns are for the client and how the client wants to do business with you? Got it. And your, your test is, how did I feel after that encounter? Very simple. Yeah. And it very, could, very it could be indifferent. It could be anger right. or it could be, wow. You know, I get that little bit of a wow thing, Chick-fil-A. And, you know, like they don't have to smile at me and be so friendly. And even if I know they're told to say my pleasure, like, I don't know how the selection, I, I can't quite piece it together, but somehow the recipe, not even the chicken, chicken's pretty good, but the recipe of the staff is just so different from you go visit a Burger King and, you know, God bless the Whopper. But when you have someone who's like, could care if you died in front of them at the register, it, it, you feel that. Sure. And, and it's just sure. a, it's a positive and you're like, no, positive, positive. Sure. Yeah. So it's a little nuances. I think the nuances add up to whatever the opposite of nuance is, right? It's just, it's ever present. And in fact, I'm not saying it's easy because right. everyone is, you know, and especially in this economy, but, yeah. you know, and I learned this very early on that if you take the time, that's the investment in that person, right? And that person's approach and that person's understanding of the culture which is extremely important and that'll pay off, you know, a hundredfold, a thousandfold. Again, it's yeah. really being, it's, it's being customer. It's, it's caring enough about the client for you to do business the way they would like to do business. And I'm, and I'm saying, you know, you know, the old expression, the customer is always right. Maybe yes, maybe no, but the customer is always the customer. And they're always the ones that are, that are paying yeah. your, you know, that are paying your rent, that are writing you a check. And that, it, like, that's the quote right there, right? I well, mean, it is. But, and then in fact, it goes beyond that too. And I, because, and I, I truly believe this. So aside from our mission, you know, which is to, to, to help other clients in our case, you know, they got cancers to cure and, and differences to make in people's lives. Yeah. Our mission is to make their mission possible, right? But it's also from, the, from a customer-centric point of view, what you're doing is, is, again, if it makes you feel good, you're making people feel good, right? And so if they're feeling good, it's something that can certainly be contagious. And, and I'm not necessarily, you know, the whole kumbaya moment, but it really, it, it, it really makes an impact 
on how people feel about you, how they feel about each other. And in turn, I think it makes them more you know, productive in what they do because it makes them enjoy their work that much more because it, 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 this, you don't have that friction of that feeling of, oh, Jesus, what a grind. I got to call those people again. Oh, Jesus, I, that's the last thing I want. So it's the opposite of that. That makes sense. Totally makes sense. Yeah. And and I think it's important to call out that you mentioned that it's an investment in time and that, that alludes to there is a cost. There is a cost either in that moment beforehand to train it, but there is a return on that, but that, yes, you do need to, you you can't, it doesn't just happen. Correct. Just mentioning in a board meeting or dreaming about it. There is, you need to spend the time on the uniforms or spend the time on the training or hiring the right person may cost just a little bit more. Uh, But you do need to invest that. But then of anything you're going to invest of any of the the bets you're going to place, you know, placing it on that customer, your customer may not always be right to your point, but they are in the end, they're always your customer. Well, and the ethos of the company has to be, has to be sound, right? And I, we get these yeah. complaints all the time where we get clients. It's like, you know, they're just they're being run by, they're being run by accountants or, you know, it's a VC, it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's private equity that's, that's driving the service business. And, you know, it's not what it used to be. So therefore that's why we're, that's why we're calling you sort of thing. We get that, we get that often because it's just you know, the way of the world. But uh, yeah. that's not who we are. That's not who we are. No, no, totally. But, but I am curious though. Who who are you? <laughs> who hey. you can you can you take me back in time? Like little Ted days. Did you always know you're going to be you know creating? It sounds like from an early age maybe you knew you're going to be creating companies, or did it just happen? Um. So I grew up. My my family are. I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. Like like all good Greeks, we you know we. we grew up in the restaurant business. My father was actually in the hotel business. Uh, after the war, he um, started working for the Sonobin family and um, ended up uh, an executive position uh, as, a, as, a, as a vice president. And then eventually went in business in, on his own. And we, as a family, we moved uh, to England. We lived in England. We lived in in Hawaii, we lived in Greece. Wow! And, uh, so you're on vacation the whole time, is that it? Right. <laughs> Those are I all tell, the places that people want to talk want to talk about going to. Yeah, I tell my wife now. I I I, uh, I already had my retirement. Now I have to work for a living. <laughs> but uh, no, we, we lived in we lived in in house. We lived in the hotels on the wow. premise, and uh, I also had an uncle that was in the hotel business or in the restaurant business. Okay. So I worked with him. But my, you know, my orientation was really, um, I think, first and foremost on this on the service business, and the uh, the, the few businesses that I've had were, I mean, that was the that was the overlying or the the underlying thread of what I you know what I did. The what the vehicle was was just an entrepreneurial venture. Venture. I've been doing this for a little over twenty years. And prior to that. It was in the import export business with a few stints in between working for, for companies to sort of learn what I needed to learn in order to be more effective. What was that like? So you actually lived in like in the hotel? In the hotel. Yeah. What was that like? As a, was it, was it just normal for you? Cause that's what you grew up with or did you ever. 
Um, it was great. In a house? Uh, yeah. Yeah. We moved around a lot. Yes, I lived in a house, but the hotel is where we lived on premise. We live in a hotel room. Um, and even when I was independent and working in hotels and resorts, that was the same thing. And uh, yeah, so that's the point kid. where you tell me you've got like a billion Hilton Honors points at this point. Um, <laughs> No, I mean, there was, there was something about being the manager's, you know, the manager's yeah. kids, you know, uh, I pushed living with a, living with somebody, you know, my father was a general manager. So he'd be mm-hmm. sitting at the, at the dinner table in the dining room and his eyes would be darting back and forth and looking at the, you know, which guest was you know, leaning down to pick up something. And, you know, uh, he was, uh, he was so he, very, was he very always on at that point. He's always looking out for, Correct. I mean, that sounds like the, that was the model for you then of true customer service correct yeah and it was it, when i was younger it was it was tough to temper that because it was mm. you know you i was probably not as sensitive as i should have been towards people's feelings you know talking about empathy um so you know as the, the european model of course was also a lot different than the american model where europeans were much more i wouldn't say subservient but they were much more um i think they looked at what they they probably still do look at what they do, certainly in the service business and hotels and restaurants in particular as a, as a profession. Uh, in fact, I, at one point when I moved to this country, uh, back to this country, I worked in a, in a restaurant. Uh, I worked at Lockovers downtown, downtown Boston. It's one of the oldest freestanding restaurants at the time. And it was very wow. well known. And uh, all the waiters there were all European, all Europeans and, Get one of them. If you stick around, he had been. He'd had the same four table stations since 1958, which is the year I was born. He says, "Teddy, if you stick around, you you'll be able to get your own station." At the time, I was in my my mid twenties. Stick around. I can't can't imagine doing this in my in my fifties or sixties. Yeah, yeah. But it was what I learned from that. And from my experience working in the, in the, and what was, how much closer can you get to, you know, where, what people, what people put in their stomachs and where they lay their heads down at night. You know? uh, what I learned was that, that, that sense and it's, that sense of, of, of empathy towards, towards clients, certainly, but really, really trying to anticipate need and really having a, and I don't want to, it's not necessarily cap in hand. It's a different, it's a, it's an ethos of I'm here to, I'm here to be a value to you. Mm-hmm. And you're coming here for a specific reason. And whether it's you know, a meal you want to eat, whether it's an instrument that you need fixed, we're, I'm here, you're there for a reason. And I'm here to, to be able to provide what you need in a way that's going to make it as pleasant, as painless as possible and have you walk away with a good experience. Okay, I wanted to throw a curveball at you, which is sure. that you mentioned a little bit of this already, the idea that you know the customer is not always right or they, they but they are they are the customer. Right. What do you do with crazy? What do you do? Now maybe there's the mild expectation misalignment that turns crazy, but then sometimes it's just crazy. What do you how do you handle that? Um, it's a lot easier the longer you've been in business. And I say that because when you're first starting out. A check is a check, and you try to do whatever you can to, to get paid. Um, over time, what, what, what you realize or what I've realized is 
and we'll call them the terrorists. So those, the indifferent, the people that are indifferent to what, what, what you're doing and what you're, you know, the service you're providing or the terrorists that are never gonna be happy. In the end run, it's gonna be a whole lot more of, a, of, a, of an energy drain and a cost drain on you to work with those people. And what I try to do is very diplomatically, not, and I'm not being disingenuous about it, but just very diplomatic, very diplomatically say, I, I really, I don't think it's something we'll be able to provide, or I don't think it's going to be a good fit. And you avoid having to get into a situation where it's like, oh God, you know, it's one of those forehead slapping moments. Like I shouldn't have done this. Why did I do this? Um, so avoiding that altogether makes life a whole lot easier, certainly for yourself, and maybe even for the client. Yeah. Because there are crazies. There are. And what a what a good point of early on, ah, Jack, it's a it's a client. You want to make everyone happy, but then what what is that that you learn? You learn that well, it's part of the qualification process too, Casey. And that's again, once once and our folks, and I try to instill this in everyone that's certainly cut most of us, if not all of us, are customer facing that. Number one, what's the what what is what what's bothering the client? Why are they calling us? What is what is the problem that we're trying to solve? Yeah. And where are they on that scale? Again, that 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 um, the service profit chain uh, elucidates is are they are, you know are they potential terrorists or are they potential apostles? Sometimes you don't know. You try to do the best you can. But yeah. What, what I try to do is first, you know, how can we help you? What is it? You know, what's, tell me more about what it is that, that, that you need help with. Sometimes you don't know until you're, you're stuck in the middle of it. It's so distracting too, isn't it? You mentioned, you know, costs you time and money and, but it just, it's a distraction from the, the, the apostles, the ones in the, in the green square that, that right. can be singing your praises and they're, they're in the zone of all things good what is it the zone of happiness they're well, <laughs> zone you're, of, you're apostles the people that the people that will that will recommend you to others the zone of affection perhaps yeah um yeah and we're forgetting about them because these other people are going right. off the roof so yeah sometimes case somebody you just don't know ask anyone who's, who's been divorced from a crazy person <laughs> after the fact you just you don't know until you're into it if there was a sensor that could detect that my goodness they'd corner the market yep. absolutely um yep good good so hypothetical question for you now sure because he, you actually um i may actually have a time machine okay uh it's up here in nashville new hampshire it's in the backyard covered in Excellent. a time. and uh so let's say you come visit we'll get some yep. beers yeah let me know if you need service on it be happy to help yeah, exactly. Just, exactly. Just need the manuals. Yeah, just no, we don't manuals. We'll just hit buttons. Yeah. But this is a particular kind of time machine, and it goes back in time, and you get to visit yourself early twenties, right? Yeah. You get to visit young you doing the thing, younger you doing the thing, and you know probably inexperienced and just creating things, you know, hospitality, yeah. all that. You get to talk to that version of you. And you can tell yourself anything you want. It won't mess up your space-time continuum. <laughs> what do you tell yourself? What kind of advice would you give yourself? Um, I don't. I don't really. I guess from the perspective, I don't really have any regrets per se, right? 
So it's not like I, uh, geez, I should have done this. I should have done that. I probably should have been a little bit more patient just in general. Um, but that might be, you know, that's, that's an inherent, that's an, somebody wants to call that entrepreneur's disease. They got to, there's a lot they got to do in a short amount of time. Um, but I would, I would, I guess the advice I would give myself is probably to take the challenges in life and also in being business in, in business um, a little less seriously and have more confidence in your abilities or your ability to, to see your vision come come to pass. It's taken a while. I mean, I'm in my early sixties yeah. now. Um, but more I confidence probably, in your own abilities. Yeah, and I, I I probably would have spent more time, you know, with the family. I think early on. Um, and my wife reminds me of that all the time, of, you know, the lack of vacation time that we took. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. You know, because um, it, it, it's time you could be spent, you know, growing your company. Well, I mean, that's the thought. I, you know, I, I was spending time growing the company as opposed to, you know, growing a, a deeper relationship with my family. Uh, though I, I don't, I don't, in fact, I don't really have any, any regrets. I do have things yeah. that, you know, I've, I've, where I am now is just to, you know, your, your, your decisions become your life. Right. Mm. Uh, and I'm not necessarily unhappy where I am. I'm, I'm, I'm quite satisfied. What do you think is, what, what, what do you, what do you credit to that? I mean, that's, that's great that you get to the point, no regrets, um, you know, some, some light advice for yourself, but you've um, you looked back and you're, you're happy with that. I mean, that's what a lot of people want is to be able to, at whatever point in time, look back and go, yeah. Yep. It's, it's the, I, one of the most, I guess one of the most important um, guideposts for me in life was that we have the power to frame our experiences really any way we want. So being able to look at what you do, no matter what it is, is one learning experience after another that can be applicable to whatever, whatever your endeavor is as you move forward, I thought was very valuable. And I've always taken that to heart because it's, it's, you know, is there failure? Yeah, I suppose there is, but depending on, I guess, on how you look at it, you know, because in the end, I mean, do you fail at life when you die? I died. I guess I'm a failure. <laughs> Everybody yeah, dies. It's just the way yeah. it is, right? So yeah. if you look at your, you look at your experiences as a constant learning experience, uh, as part, you know, as parts of the whole, then uh, I think to me, it's been very beneficial. Yeah. There it is. So, so what's next? What, what, what's the, what are you excited about in terms of the, the future, what you're working on now with your company and the projects you've got? Um, we are, we're very fortunate that we're in a vertical, we're in the life sciences and we happen to be in a hub. So um, we're as busy as we've, we've, we've ever been. We're really fortunate. We have some good long-term clients. And another another concept that that um, I've taken to heart is one. Well, I don't know if, if, if you've read um, the discipline of market leaders, but they separate different disciplines in place. Early on, 
um, premises that it's important to, to be able to determine, you know, where you are, you know, what your, where your proficiency is, whether it's customer intimacy, whether it's, it's, it's product excellence, um, I can't remember the third, but ours really is certainly customer intimacy. And we've been really fortunate through the type of business that we have to have some very intimate relationships with our clients, which we've learned quite a bit. Um, and the fact that we are in the, again, the hub, the type of business that we're in, uh, we've found it to be very, very beneficial to us because we, you know, being natural entrepreneurs, just are, you know, how we approach things. Um, we try to provide that which we find lacking in the marketplace, and it's sort of driven our business, uh, basically, uh, and wow. find opportunity where, uh, you know, blue ocean where where others ne- haven't necessarily been able to do so, or find niche areas where you know, large corporations sort of you know that's their playground but those you know second third tier in our case laboratories who's providing the service to them so they're in a position where they need the same services right. so being you know yeah. being a multi-billion dollar company not yet uh you know we're able to we're able to provide those services and provide services that are that are important to these folks that wouldn't necessarily be paid attention to by by the larger competitors of ours Right. And it's your point. You're helping them accomplish their mission, which could be curing cancer. It could be doing any number of different things that really is, you know, making magic on the world. And you're, you're supporting them. You're, you're backing them up in that process. And that's really, that's really important to us because Mm. it's, and I don't say that idly. I mean, um, you know, aside from, from being a, a, a service business that really is empathetic towards our clients, requirements or needs um, really feeling the mission which is making a difference in people's lives by enabling us to have our clients fulfill their missions because they're doing again they're doing some incredibly important stuff you know if they are finding again cancer cures we have clients that that uh, worked on the vaccine for covid we have clients that are coming up with novel, novel uh, technologies and um, uh, cures for, for things in some cases, some of these uh, years and years of research and expense and, and effort in doing. But again, helping them, you know, we, our job is to make sure that they have the tools of the trade because there's, you know, there's, there's IP, there's personnel, and then they're the assets that make, that make it possible to be able to practice their trade we take care of that third of that third piece of that, you know, that, that third uh, leg of the chair. That's what we do. Right. And the chair needs it. Can't sit on two. <laughs> no, you can't. Oh man. Well, do, do you have the time these days? It, you know, how, how are you entertaining yourself? You know, passions outside of work. And it sounds like the work itself is a passion, but do you have other things you, you do and partake I do. In? Yeah, I, uh, I've played music since I was a child. My mother was a music teacher. She was a piano teacher. Oh, no so kidding. She, she started us early. So we were five. I think we started taking wow. lessons. So I've, I've been, I play string instruments, mostly guitar. I play guitar and uh, mandolin. I've been playing since 
1967, so I was nine and earlier prior to that, I played the piano, took piano lessons and learned theory and whatnot. But uh, I haven't played out for since COVID, but I do have a yeah. select group of musicians that I get together with. We're all fully vaccinated. And, uh, <laughs> we get together keeps the band alive right yeah but wow so 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 music has kind of always been i don't say in the background but it's always been sort of like the soundtrack to this whole thing well it's it's again it's being an in my mind being an entrepreneur is about about being creative so that's for me uh what i do and i do some writing but mostly music is a is a, is a tremendous um venue for uh, a, it, it gives me the opportunity to be creative outside of work. Yeah. So, so you're, you're not just playing other people's music then you're actually creating your own. Oh yeah. Yeah. Most of what I, most of what I do or, or I've had a few bands. What we do is, is uh, stuff that we write or that I write. Hell yeah. Is there anything, anything yeah. I, I should check out? Do you, you have a YouTube channel for that or? Um, I, we do have some stuff on YouTube. We have okay. some stuff on, on SoundCloud. Oh yeah, SoundCloud, right on. Yeah, yeah. So we're doing. We'll have to together. get the links from you and put them in the show notes for folks to click through. And <laughs> we can do that. Get you some listens in there. Yep, for sure. Well, and this has been great. Where where can people connect with you if they want to reach out, either professionally, fellow EO members, or sure, you know, well, folks through in the general e, community? Yeah. So three through EO for sure, um, which by the way has been a tremendous. Um, for me, it's just been tremendous. And I had gotten word of EO through a um, entrepreneur's organization. I got word and was made aware of it by a consultant we brought on, uh, mm. say, close to 17 years ago. Wow. I've been part of a, the chapter since then. Um, and I can't say enough, both, I mean, the, the dynamic of a place where you can be with other, you know, with other entrepreneurs, that sort of share the same challenges that you can speak openly um, or it's safe to, 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 to really, you know, share. Um, and just as an, you know, an ad hoc board of directors, I can't tell you how, how incredibly valuable, valuable it's been to me. And I would, I would highly recommend it to anybody uh, that needs a place or feels that, that uh, you know, they have something to share with others, you know, some, you know, like them, like themselves. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that's, I mean, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think my experience only covers half that amount, if, if less. Um, so I can only imagine. It. But yeah, what, I, what I've seen would keep me a part of this community for a long time. Yeah. 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 It, it's, there's something very humble about it, too. You know, there's sort of that out in the world, it's very braggadocious and, marketing forward if you will but in the eo community we're not pitching each other we're we're literally yeah. sharing correct um, and yeah. sharing experiences no advice it's experience shares and yeah exactly yeah. right yeah it's tremendous yeah it's been very i can't i can't say enough about it and how it's helped me over the years yeah 100 percent. so so we, you know where can folks either in eo or outside of eo where do you want people sure. to reach so, out connecting with you yeah it's the overbrookgroup.com it's o-v-e-r-b-r-o-o-k group.com uh, where you can look up overbrook support services uh, that's probably uh, an easy way or one of the easiest way to ways to find us okay uh, 
through our website. We've tried to be as, as customer centric as possible. So whatever page you're on, you can hit contact us and it'll uh, come through us. And we, t- we, wow. we try to respond within, within an hour or so, if not sooner, if not immediate. And truly mean it as well. Yep. Hearing, hearing you share all of that, you, you can, you know, any, any of your customers that hear this will, will understand that that's not surface level. Like there's a, a deep desire to be a part of their mission. Correct. Um, yeah, I would hope that that, that, that that message is, you know, because it's heartfelt on our end. Right. And you can't fake that. I mean, you can, you can smell that a mile away, you know, like a bad so. Super Bowl commercial. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, absolutely. We'll put link links in into the show notes. People can just click right on through and and connect uh, with you that way. But th- but thank you, thank you so much um, Tim, for being here and you know sharing your knowledge with me and some great books. And I just I've just had a blast having a, a conversation with you here. No, my pleasure. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And, and for those people listening, if you learned something, and I freaking know you did because I literally have two pages of notes front and back over here, uh, then share this with someone else. That's how you can show thought leadership. Uh, maybe there's another you know, business owner that you know, or your own boss, if you're working on a team, uh, share the gift of this podcast and the things that I've been learning and that we've all been learning here with, from Ted. Share this with someone else. And, uh, and yeah, man, again, Ted, thank you so much for being on here. My pleasure. Thank you, Casey. All right, everyone. This has been another really cool episode of leadership in action. We will see you all next time. Leadership in action is sponsored by the Boston chapter of the entrepreneurs organization as the world's only peer to peer network exclusively for entrepreneurs. EO helps transform the lives of those who transform the world.